0: If you've got one of these uh, buff sheets at the back, uh, there's some of the sermon headings just to let you, help you follow it through. I'll pray and then we'll dive into God's word. One of the hymns we've already sung says this. Love incarnate, love divine, captivate this heart of mine till all I do speaks of you. Lord, may we see you in your word today. May you captivate our heart because you know us inside out and you love us like nobody else. And give us the strength and courage, each one of us here, to be willing to trust you more, to go where you lead, your good way for each one of us today and on into this week. For your glory and our good. Amen. Acts. We've been doing Acts uh, throughout the summer and it's, uh, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful passage. If you've not read Acts of the Apostles for a while, it's quite good to have an afternoon and just go and read it. The Adventure of Faith, that's what it's called. God dealing, the living Lord dealing with those who've put their trust in him and, and how do they get on in the world? We've already had the agenda verse, wonderfully with the children, the agenda verse for Acts is Acts 1. And I'll read it again because this sets the agenda for the whole of this book. This is Jesus. This is the risen Lord Jesus. This is the conqueror of death. This is the one who, bring, who bridges the gap. This is the one who, who ends this awful separation between us and God because of our sinfulness. And he takes that on himself at the cross. And he dies in my place. And, and, that, and that is proved by God to be right because God then raises him from the dead. And this is the, the conqueror of death, the Lord of life. But his people have still got opposition from the Romans and the Jews. It's not easy then being a Christian. It never is easy following Jesus. Just he was, this is what he says. But you, that's each one of us, you... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And a few few days later in Acts 2 we read that the very Spirit of Jesus enters into his people. So that us now, if we know the Lord Jesus, as they say at Liverpool Football Club and Celtic Football Club, you'll never walk alone. You may feel alone, but you're not, because the very Lord Jesus lives in you by his Spirit. For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When I first read that, my heart rejoiced because for those there, Harold Wood was pretty much like the end of the earth. When that was written, folks where I live were going around in caves dressed in woad, banging each other over there, in clubs and saying, They were doing that in Sheffield as well, It's not just us. But this wonderful gospel came there, and Acts is how it all happened. How does this good news of Jesus come to the ends of the earth? It comes primarily because God is a missionary God. He delights to bring people home. That's what Christianity is all about. Coming, it's nothing to do with religion. That was a big breakthrough for me. It's God bringing people like you and me home from the darkness of a lost eternity. So coming home to the living God and enjoying being in the family of God—that's what we've been learning. That's our summer experience. That's what we've been discovering. Right from the word go, God's a missionary God. When it all went wrong in the garden, God didn't abandon rebellious people. He's through Abraham in Genesis 12. He started a family that would make himself known through the world. And, th- and it says at the end when, of Genesis 12, And all peoples on earth will be blessed through Abraham and his family. When God came as the Lord Jesus as a baby, Luke 2:29 to 32, when he is presented in the temple, Simeon, an, an older Christian, follower of, of, of God, saw this baby Jesus and he said he was a light for the Gentiles. That's you and me. And right at the end, Jesus' is last, in a sense, commission, Matthew 28, talked to his people, go and make disciples of all nations. And you see, wonderfully, he does it in us and through us. We live in a world where really ordinary people are made to feel they don't count much. You've know, you got to be a celebrity, you've got to be special, you've got to be specially good-looking or specially gifted or specially good at something. Otherwise, really, you're just making up the numbers. That's not true with God. Each of us are handmade by him for a particular job and life to live for him, which only you can live. So be encouraged with that. And how does it all end? Does it all go belly up? Does it all go pear-shaped? No. You see, in Revelation, it says here a multitude. Revelation seven, nine, and ten. A picture of heaven is a multitude that no one can count from every nation. Isn't that marvelous? I once went on a conference and folks all over the world. And there's a Nigerian Christian. And at the end, they asked, they asked us, you know, what was the best thing you learned? What was the most outstanding thing you learned from this conference? This Nigerian Christian said, the one thing I've learned that God is not a Nigerian. I always thought it was, and I said, that's strange, because I thought God was English. <laughs> but it's from all over, a multitude from all over the world. And in a sense, Acts 13, so we're back on this scripture, is when it all kicks off. Because this gospel, through Acts 13, in a sense, bursts into Europe, starting in Cyprus, and eventually gets to, to Sheffield and Howard Wood, eventually gets to your door. So this isn't a bit of ancient history that you might be interested in if you're interested in that sort of stuff. But this progress of the gospel is all to do with you hearing the good news of Jesus. So let's have a look. And it's AD 45. And and the word of God is going to burst on the world of God. And your world and my world will never be the same. First heading... They were sent out by gods. Verse 1 to 3. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, have had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. They were a very motley bunch, weren't they? A motley bunch of people. A cosmopolitan church. A church from all over. That's how God does that. He doesn't just choose a certain type. So you can never say, I'm not the right type. I, for years, I said I wasn't the religious type until Jesus said, what are you talking about? It's nothing to do with religion. In fact, the religious type, find it the hardest. From all over, God brings them. From all backgrounds, united. United in Jesus. At that same conference I talked about, I was, um, one one of the, uh, sort of the Sunday afternoon, this was in the Nottingham campus, and there were three men walking across the grass there. One was called Mohammed, and he was born and brought up in the Yemen as a, as a Muslim, and he'd become a Christian. Uh, next to him was a little fellow who was a Hindu from Kerala in southern India. His name was Vijay Menon. And next to him was me, a self-centered consumer from Harald Wood. And suddenly we realised that we were brothers in Christ from completely different backgrounds and only the gospel can do that. We try and fail with that. God can do it. And you are sitting now in the, and exhibiting the glory and the power of the living God. Because standing here, you're a pretty motley crew, to be honest. From all over the place. I don't know why this pulpit is up. You get a good look at the punters, don't you? But God can bring us and has brought us all together. It's marvellous. That's what happened in there. He longs to do it. And then he speaks to his people. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. You see, God takes the initiative. He calls people individually, not some sort of vague, let's have a hand up for volunteers. He treats us better than that. He says, I want you to do that. And could you do it? And please, will you do that for me? Or you can join me. On this work. And this wonderful church obeyed. And one of the things about them, they gave, see, Saul and Barnabas were the best that Antioch had, and they gave their best to the rest. That's a challenge in a big church like this, in the biggest church that I come from. Do we trust God to give the best to the rest, trusting that He will bring some more people in, or do we hold on? This church didn't do that. They trusted God, the best for the rest. And he calls people for his work. The work set apart for me, Barnabas, all for the work to which I have called them. You haven't even got to work it all out yourself what to do. He shows you. That's exciting. And I've got, I've. see, my life counts now. I got a, a big shock the other day. I became 60. Most people in our street lamented. I read in a, I was feeling a bit rough and I thought, oh my word, you know, the world's saying it's so you're well past your sell-by date now. And I thought, I read a paper and I read in the paper it said, "finished by 40. I thought, right, that really going to cheer me up. <laughs> God doesn't do that. He never writes off anyone. Because he's hand made them. To be with him. And to rejoice in him and to work for him. Not that us a spare part around a big church just hanging around. Not at all. Doesn't matter what your age or background. Whether you're, this is the first time you've ever come in here or whether you've been here as a real worker for 30 or 40 years, he still sees you the same. That's great, isn't it? And the church placed their hands on them and sent them off. Literally, that means let them go. I'm rejoicing this church that so they're sending people out. And you've had a church plant, I understand, at Christchurch Central, that's great. You're trying another one. That's great. Keep pushing that boundary out. Be willing to to let people go, to give them away in mission. He sent them off. Sent them off out of their comfort zone. When was the last time you went out of your comfort zone? I don't like doing that at all. Some of you have come out of your comfort zone just to come here today, and I rejoice and thank God. For that, I don't like going out of my comfort zone. I can't swim. Well, I can, technically, downwards. (laughs) But there ain't a lot of future in that, so I've discovered. The reason I can't swim is I won't take my foot off the bottom. I won't go out of my depth. I guess there's one or two of us here that's been Christian a little while and just really, you don't really want to take your foot off the bottom. I didn't want to do that. I'm not one of these pioneer types. I could lay in bed for England. Any time, no problem. But the Lord sends us out. Someone once said to me, We must go out on the limb for Jesus, because that's where the fruit is. Never forgotten that. If you want a fruitful life? Ask Jesus to give you the strength to go out of your comfort zone. And some of you have done it already today. Isn't it lovely? And he sent them off, and I've got in my little Bible, I've written on there, to change the world. It's dynamic stuff, isn't it? This is the living, active God amongst people. Wonderful, isn't it? And that passes on. You know, we've had loads of, of you know, mention of the Olympics, and we're going to get wall to wall Olympics. But the rest part of the Olympics is the, is the passing on, isn't it? The passing on of the talks, the passing on of the baton to the next person, to the next. Person. It's absolutely wonderful, isn't it? Sent out by God. The second heading is speaking out for God. Where did they go then? Verses 4 and 5, if you're following. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia. And they sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, They proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues and John was with them as their helper. They were sent to Cyprus. The mission of God is a sensible mission. He sends them to Cyprus. Why? Well, first of all, Barnabas came from there, so he knew folks, he had connections. Also, there were Jews there who who had the background and also there were Christians there following the persecution earlier. Some of them had gone to Cyprus. So it made sense. So what did they do when they went to Cyprus? I'd love to go to Cyprus. I could really do with a holiday in the sun. The nearest I got was Renishaw Hall yesterday, in which we were grateful for, but I could do with a holiday in the sun. Looking up the brochures, going to Cyprus. My daughter's been to Cyprus. I said, you go there, Dad. What did they do in Cyprus? Got out of the sun lounges? Rained on top top your tan? No. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God. God, in the Jewish synagogue. They started in the synagogue, as Mary Poppins said, a very good place to start. And that set the pattern for Paul's ministry. You notice in the Acts as Paul's ministry? It's, it's always the same pattern. He goes into a place with his Silas or Barnabas or somebody, and uh, he goes to the synagogue. He usually gets chucked out there pretty quick, and then he goes to the Gentiles. And also when he goes, he usually gets Barnabas or Silas to check out the prison, because they usually end up there sometime. It's a bit like in the West. You see the West. You know when when the hero goes to the final showdown, and the hero goes into the main street to confront the baddies. And, and you always know when that's going to happen in the West, because they shoot to the saloons and the bartender takes the big glass mirror down, doesn't he, from behind the bar. You knew that the gospel was about to be proclaimed in Cyprus when the bartenders take the mirror down, because it's not easy. But they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogue. John was with them as their helper. That was the pattern. And you see, and they proclaimed the Word of God. The one thing they had that we can learn from them is this they had confidence in the Word of God to do the work of God. Most churches, as I see, I go to a lot of churches. Most churches in this country, certainly in the Anglican denomination, have lost that confidence. And I rejoice in forward because you haven't. And that was one thing in, in summer experience. We were grinding that confidence of the word of God to do the work of God. So they spoke out for God. And then they stood up for God. Verses 6 to 11. That's the third heading if you're still with us. Let's read verse 6 and 7. They travelled through the whole island. Have anyone been to Cyprus? It's a Nice place, isn't it? So they told us. Seen some nice pictures of it. Lovely sunny place. They they traveled till they came to Paphos. That's on the southwest, isn't it? They come right across to Paphos, and there they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. That is, the, the, the proconsul ran the place for the Romans. That's the setup. And they traveled through. They probably preached in other synagogues and other places. So they came to Paphos. Now, Paphos was the seat of the Roman government and they often went to strategic places. They thought out the strategy and they met this bloke called Bar-Jesus. Doesn't mean he was a lamb. Literally, his name meant son of Jesus. But there was a massive irony in that and we'll find that in a minute. And they also met a man called Sergius Paulus. Now, the thing to to get about Sergius Paulus is this. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. I used to believe, I wasn't brought up in a church at all, and I believed the, the, the old lie that really to become a Christian, all you had to do was sort of believe the things you knew weren't true and chuck your brains out the window. If you had any. Not true. We need to use the mind God has given us to work things out under the direction of his spirit. Nothing wrong with that. Thinking it through. Because when you've really thought it through, you're stronger and firmer. And Sergius Paulus was an intelligent man. So I don't think, can I be brutally honest, some people, they're too clever for the gospel. You're not. And some people think they're too thick for the gospel, and you're not either. It's for everyone. And he thought it through, Sergius Paulus, intelligent man. And God had put it in his mind to hear the gospel. I've been praying that God's been doing that all this week, and I think he has in, in summer experience. And again, it's still God's initiative. We just work and follow his plan, which really takes the pressure off. But, verse 8, you know, there's, it seems to be going really well, and then there's a but, There's there's a lot of big buts in scripture. But Elimas, here we go. But Elimas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means. This is Bar-Jesus, Elimas, same bloke. Opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. The reality is, the sad reality is, that as people get nearer to hearing the word of God, other people won't like it. As you get nearer to hearing the word of God, other people won't like it. And it will come from very strange and unexpected quarters sometimes. If you This week in summer experience, you've been, God has been warming up to himself and you've been rejoicing and enjoying that. Some people, even in your own family, may not like that. You have to cope with that reality. That is not a nice reality, but that's the reality. Some people won't like it. Why? Well, but they're just like Elemas. You see, Elimas wanted and thought he had some sort of position and power with Sergius Paulus, and the gospel was a threat to him. Well, actually, the gospel is always a threat to us. It's a threat to me being in charge of my life for a start. That's why I resisted it for 22 years, stupidly. It's a threat to people. That's the way it works. It's a threat to people's power and position. It's a, it's a threat to your reputation. If you go out today, if you come in here for the first time and you go and see a friend on Monday and they, and they say, What do you do on Sunday? And you say, I went to Forward. Some of them will laugh. They're not out loud, but inside. And some, some of my friends aren't all that polite. When I first went to church, I went to work and said, You know, uh, I've been going to church. And they, they, they said, It's all right, Chris, it's not terminal. You'll get over it. Don't worry. That was my friends, people who didn't like me, just laughed. Opposition's the reality. Because gospel, because strangely enough, the greatest news that anyone ever heard is also a threat to people, to our reputation, to our position. So it was a direct challenge from LMS. But it wasn't only to the message, you see, it was a challenge to the sovereign power of God. Because Elimas tried to undo the work of the gospel. But Elimas, verse 8, the sorcerer, for that his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. I remember once doing a a, a campaigner camp. that's for sort of 7s to 11s, and we had a helper who wasn't a Christian. He was a nice bloke, but he wasn't a Christian. I didn't really feel too comfortable with him being on the team, but it wasn't my call. And we had a really good week. And then when we started talking about the cross, this fellow pipes out of course, we don't believe that now, do we? (laughs) How do you deal with that when you're halfway through talking about the cross? I didn't overreact, but you get that reaction. You get that reaction. Be prepared for that. Some people won't like it that you've come to forward today. But God will be thrilled. And who do you want to serve? Who's, your, who's the best person to determine what you do? How does Paul, how does Saul react to this threat? Well, actually, he takes very straight talking. Look at verse 9 and 10. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, said again, it's not just him having a bad, you know, having a bad pop at Elimus or having a bad day because his football team lost. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimas and said, you are a child of the devil. You see the irony? His name meant son of Jesus, but he wasn't. He was the son of the devil. You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Sometimes drastic Occasions need for drastic measures. I wouldn't recommend this as your regular evangelistic thrust. Although sometimes strong words can actually help. It all depends. I remember we were doing um, uh, giving away uh, the the Jesus video. We knocked on the doors on the Thursday, uh, gave them the video, and then turned up and said, "We'll come back on Saturday. Hope you've seen it and see how you get on." And I thought, "I'll do our street. That's easy. Everyone knows me." I don't like doing this sort of stuff. So I goes down with the videos, everything's all right, and I go on the side, he start knocking on the door, and I knocked on the door, uh, just three doors down, I knocked on the door, and opened it. it, was my old mate Bob. I said, hello Bob, he said, hello Chris, I'll send the, for the wife. And this bloke knew me, and he said, I'll send for the wife. And I said to him, Bob, you are the biggest wimp in this street. You've got no backbone, have you? I knew him well enough, I could get away with that. But sometimes we have to speak straight to people. And certainly this was one of those times. And again, uh, what happened? What happened with the straight talking? What happened? Because you see, Elemas, he was obstructing the way. He was, he was taking, Sergius Paulus was interested and he was taking him away. What happened? Verse 11. Paul says, now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind and for a time you'll be unable to see the light of the sun. And immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. His eyes were closed in God's judgment on him. Judgment is real. You don't talk about it easily. The great preacher Spurgeon said, you only talk about God's judgment through tears. And he's right. God is a God of justice judgment is part of his love because you know it's not right for us to just go away and do the wrong things and walk into a lost eternity and his own people if we're doing the wrong things he will judge us, not because he has a pop at us so that we would see sense and come back but that's the power of God verse 11 so we've had sent out by God speaking out for God standing up for God and now wonderfully it comes to a wonderful crescendo in verse 12, seeing the power of God. Can you see poor old Elimas is groping around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Actually, when we sit in darkness we're all like that. And wonderfully God provides people through his word and through to lead us by the hand back into the light, back home to Jesus But look at the effect on Sergius Paulus. Look at this. When the proconsul saw what happened, he believed. Why? Because he liked seeing tricks? Because he liked Paul Daniels in Paphos? He liked Andy Todd? No. He believed. Look at the next bit. For he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. You see, the greatest miracle he'd seen wasn't Elimas losing his sight in God's judgment. The greatest miracle that happened that day is that God, by his word, through his believing people, opened the eyes of someone who had sat in darkness. That is the miracle that God does, not so dramatically, but he is doing it all the time. All around the world. He is a missionary God. This gospel is unstoppable. In this church, people are coming from darkness to light. Not in great rows, but in what we call in St. Peter's, a steady trickle of eternal life. It's wonderful, isn't it? You could be one of those today. And that's what happened. And you see, when this gospel is proclaimed, there's always two reactions. Acceptance. And sadly... Those who won't have that. They don't uh, do it as, as dramatically as El Mass, and certainly in Harold Wood, they just do it by polite indifference. But it's still saying no to Jesus. Which, when you think about that, is not the wisest position to take. There may be one or two folks like that now. But learn from what God says here, learn from what happened here and turn round. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful to see what God does. You see, we've seen God at work in in this way. They'd seen God use them. He wants to use us. This book, Acts, people say, what's it called? Is it it the Acts of the Holy Spirit? Is it the Acts of the Apostles? Is it the Acts of God? Is it the Acts of Jesus? Well, it's all those, but somebody once told me this. Because God works through ordinary people, it's the Acts of the Inadequates, but not the incapables. That's you and me. That's every one of us. Isn't it wonderful? You're not just making up the numbers, however young you are, however old you are, however fit you are or unfit. It's the acts of the inadequates, but not the incapables. We've all got a part to play, even in a big church. The temptation in a church like this is, well, I can just freeload on this. and Anyway, I'm not as good as all the great people that have doing stuff up front. They don't really need me. yes they do. Every one of us has needed the acts of uh, the inadequates but not the incapables. And they had a love for God which showed in the way they live. Let's pray by God's mercy that might be true of you. It can be true of you and me. Why? I'll just close with three encouragements. Why can this be true of you? Because it's the same God at work in their lives as ours. It's the same gospel work in their lives as ours and it's the same grace of God in their lives as ours. When the proconsul saw what happened, he believed for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Lord God, we thank you that you are a missionary God working tirelessly to bring people home from darkness to light and wonderfully using people like us to do it. Help us to rejoice in that. Thank you for this church that you established many, many years ago. Thank you for each one of us that you've brought here today to speak with us, to move us on just that bit further as we work out the acts of the inadequates, but by your Spirit, not the incapables, as you change eternity for people. Amen.